Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back everyone. On today's show, I chat with first-time mum Cass about her positive drug-free hospital birth. After experiencing a confusing pregnancy loss that sent her on a whirlwind of emotions, she thankfully wouldn't have to wait long for her rainbow baby to arrive. When her baby was labelled too big to go full term, Cass utilised the knowledge she gained from a hypnobirthing course to make informed decisions and oppose a recommended induction. Instead, she chose to allow her baby boy to come in his own divine timing. Enjoy the episode. Cass, welcome to Positive Birth Australia. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Could you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So my name is Cass. I live in Logan. I'm happily married um, actually to my high school sweetheart. So we've just had our wedding anniversary for four years. Is that we've been together for 12 years in total now. So, Beautiful. yeah, a little bit special there. Um, so, uh, we have always wanted to be parents. And two years ago, we actually made the decision that I would go off the pill because um, I was on the pill at the time, um, sort of wait for my body to find its natural cycle and everything. And basically, the second that we decided we wanted to start trying, we fell pregnant within that month, which was so incredible. We felt so blessed and lucky. Um, but unfortunately, at that stage, we ended up having a, it was a partial potential pregnancy, partial molar pregnancy, um, which eventuated to a miscarriage, unfortunately. Oh, so it was a bit of a whirlwind ride, that one. Um, we found out super early on that we were pregnant uh, because I didn't really know what my cycle was properly. My body was still trying to figure out everything post um, going off the pill. And so it came around to the time that it said that I should be having my period. And so I just took a pregnancy test just in case, found out I was pregnant. And I was like, oh, this is happening. Okay. Uh, So we went to our doctor um, and he thought that we were probably around like the three to four week mark, like that it was very early on. But my HCG levels were pretty through the roof. So 
he sent us um, as soon as we could, I think it was like from the six week mark to go get a first ultrasound and see, you know, what's going on and everything like that. Um, and unfortunately at that first ultrasound, we didn't have a heartbeat, which was mm. so, it was really deflating. Like you go there and you're so excited to hear the heartbeat for the first time and everything. And they couldn't find a heartbeat, which was really strange because my HCG levels were so high. So after that, we went back to my GP the next day. He sent me for another blood test and my HCG levels were actually still skyrocketing. So they had doubled from what they were earlier on in that week and they were still rising. So my GP sort of had to have the tough conversation with me of, it looks like it could potentially be a chemical pregnancy. You know, your body's doing everything that it should be, but unfortunately there's nothing there. Um, we're going to have to send you to emergency. And he was basically talking to me about getting a DNC. So that was really heartbreaking to hear. And it was a lot to process. And, you know, we've got rushed to emergency on the Saturday it was. Um, and it was really unfortunate. We had a big, like it was around Christmas time. So we were about to go to a party with all our friends and celebrate what we call friend myths with all our friends. Um, but instead we had to miss that because we were going to the hospital. So we went to the hospital. We were there for eight hours in total. They wanted to do another ultrasound themselves before going any further, just to make sure that they had all the facts as well. And yeah, we we're left waiting after we managed to get the ultrasound from emergency for about five, six hours before anyone properly spoke to us, which was really just like not great we're just yeah. sitting there you know waiting for the worst to happen and a doctor sort of pulled us aside into a room and talked to us and said they couldn't get um one of the pediatricians or OBs to come and talk to us so he was just going to talk to us and that they wanted to wait see what happened for 10 days and then come back and while he's talking to us about all that he was saying all these different things that could have happened with this pregnancy whether it was an ectopic one, but they don't believe it was that. And he was basically just saying, talking a lot about twin pregnancies, which was really strange to me because I was like, well, you haven't, like there wasn't anything, there wasn't a heartbeat when I had my last ultrasound. And it was just very unclear everything they were saying. You could just tell they were a bit confused as to what was going on. And so he said, look, everything, um, is a little bit confusing right now and he literally said those words to me he's like go home with your husband we're not going to get you to do the dnc today um come back in 10 days and the early pregnancy clinic um might call you to talk a little bit further because uh, we went to the logan and they've got a great little area called the early pregnancy clinic which is for more high-risk pregnancies mm -hmm. and so they said look they might call you earlier but just come back in 10 days so my husband and I left very confused with no real answers. And I was reading through the discharge papers they had given us. And on those papers, it said potential viable pregnancy with a heartbeat of, I think it was 86 beats per minute or something like that. Oh. And then potential molar pregnancy. And I had no idea what that meant. And they were talking about on the discharge paper, there was mention of a thickening tissue and all this sort of stuff. So I did a bit of Dr. Googling myself because I was like, what on earth does this mean? Yeah. Um, and made sure I booked in with my GP straight away to actually get some proper answers from him in case he could decipher everything that was going on. But basically what had happened was I have a bit of an abnormal uterus. So instead of it being a nice balloon shape, like everyone says it should be, uh, mine's a bit more of a love heart shape. And so when the lady had done my ultrasound for the six-week mark, 
she was looking in one area and didn't find anything there. But my baby that I had at the time was on the other side and there was a thickened mass. And so what it looks like happened was I was having a twin pregnancy. One hasn't eventuated from the get-go. And rather than my body clearing it out naturally, it actually started forming a bit of a tumor with it and trying to grow it while I also still had this other baby there too. And so that was mind-blowing to learn. Um, Mm. Twins do not run in my family. They (laughs) do not run in my husband's family. So hearing that was just baffling enough, let alone then looking into what a molar pregnancy was and what that meant. So the doctors basically wanted to see if the tumor would progress and if the other baby's heartbeat would increase or not, because obviously that's a very low heartbeat. Um, so that was on the Saturday. So Sunday we managed to see our doctor get those answers and then we were just probably left more confused than anything, but at least we had some answers. And then the Monday we actually got a call from the early pregnancy clinic saying, you're urgent, you do need to come in ASAP and be prepared for surgery. So again, I'm being told, be prepared. This is not going to eventuate. It's not going to happen, unfortunately. So we went in, we had another blood test, um, my HCG levels were still skyrocketing, um, which is another indicator, I believe, of a twin pregnancy, how much they were um, skyrocketing. Um, And we had another ultrasound. And at that stage, that ultrasound actually showed the tumor or the thickened mass had started to dissipate a bit. So it wasn't growing, it was actually subsiding. And the baby's heart rate at that stage had increased to 110 beats per minute. So everything was starting to look a bit more promising. And our doctor said, look, you know, if anything does happen, please come back, you know, as soon as possible. But we want to wait another 10 days from here and, um, you know, see you from there. So that actually took us over Christmas. So we've had this whirlwind ride of you know, the six-week ultrasound, Mm. there's no heartbeat to suddenly there was potentially two, now you have one in the tumour. And, oh, don't worry about that. It may actually eventuate, keep doing what you're doing. And that's all just before Christmas. So we (laughs) went over Christmas with the family. And at that stage, I think I would have been about eight weeks along. And so it was all a bit crazy because we kind of want to talk to people, but we weren't sure what to do because... You know, if it doesn't eventuate, it's a hard conversation to have. So we end up letting my family know um, and my best friend and my husband's brother know. um, Just so we had some support from some friends and family around us while we were trying to figure out what was going on. Um, So we went back on the 29th of December for an ultrasound. Um, And then the next day is when we had to have the doctor's appointment because the doctors at the pregnancy clinic weren't around that day for whatever reason. Um, So we went back and had an appointment that day. And that's when we got the news that unfortunately there was no longer a heartbeat um, or anything and the baby had passed away. And so that was really, it was really devastating because of the journey that we'd been through But I also felt like, you know, I know the sonographer can't say anything from the ultrasound, but it had been 10 days since our last appointment and no one had actually told us that like from that day where we had the ultrasound, there was no longer a heartbeat. So then we've gone and we've got the news from the proper doctor, which I do understand, but that had been a whole extra day. And I was worried then about risk of infection. What does this mean? All those sort of things sort of running through my mind as well as 
the devastation if this has just happened sort of thing. Um, so I sort of broke down um, hearing all that. And I was very thankful for my husband. He sort of stood up and, um, you know, he really looked after me at that stage. He asked all the right questions of, you know, what does that now mean? Um, and I actually got scheduled then for the DNC on New Year's Eve. So not a great wow. way to end the new year yeah. at all. But uh, we sort of, we look back on and sort of go, look, everything happens for a reason. Um, if it wasn't going to be a super happy, healthy baby, then maybe my body just wasn't ready and for the best. Uh, so we went through the different processes that we needed to from that. So I needed to go in for follow-up blood tests um, to make sure that my HCG levels were returning back to normal. Mm -hmm. And we were told once they were back to zero, um, we could start trying again. So we waited for them to go back to zero, which probably took about another month um, since then. So it was probably around end of January that my levels were back to normal and they said we could try. But we sort of had the chat that I wanted to have one more regular cycle before mm -hmm. we tried again, just to make sure that my body was doing everything that it needed to do, um, especially after the surgery. Uh, and then we could, you know, consider trying again and go from there. So I waited for a full proper cycle. And then once that happened, uh, we decided to try again. And again, we were very fortunate and fell pregnant straight away from that. So um, I actually remember we, I think it was, I was two days late for my period and I'd taken a test and it was negative and I was trying to stay optimistic and, um, I'd recently just like chatted to the psychic and all that sort of stuff. And she'd said to me, um, when you get your period, make sure you do celebrate it. Um, but I see some big changes coming for you really soon even though you're still healing from something that's just happened I do see something big about it happen for you really soon and she wow. said if you get your period make sure you celebrate it because it is a wonderful thing and so I had that in my mind and I was two days late and I hadn't got my period and I was like you know what I don't know if that's my real cycle it's fine don't worry about it and then I got the negative test and I was like well how am I supposed to celebrate my period if I'm not getting it? And so I just had like a little frustrated moment there. Um, and then the next day, still nothing. Another day passed, still nothing. And so my husband was like, look, maybe just try taking a test again. You never know. And it was like eight o'clock at night. I had a face mask on, went to the toilet, um, did a test and it was positive. And I was like, Oh my God, like I was just so shocked and so happy and excited again. Um, and I decided to film my husband's reaction because I was like, there's no way that I can't tell him right now. I was way too excited. Um, and I wanted to record that and have that sort of special moment of us finding out together because last time I hadn't recorded it, I just sort of told him and that was it. And so I set it up and started recording and just got him to come over and told him I had some issues with my laptop. Um, he's come over and then I sort of showed him the pregnancy test and he's like, oh God, he's like, you're joking. And he was just so shocked and elated. He like threw his arms up in the air and he's like, I'm going to be a dad again. And he was just so happy. And we sort of had that beautiful elated moment but after just like a little bit we both sort of looked at each other and we could tell we were both sort of a bit hesitant as well like do we get our hopes up do we not get our hopes up um 
And I feel like everyone who's gone through a miscarriage can probably relate to that of you don't want to get your hopes up in case something happens again, but you can't help but be over the moon at the same time. So it was this beautiful moment of us just connecting and going, okay, we're in this together. You know, whatever comes our way, comes our way. Let's do everything we can in the meantime. So we called our doctor again and went to go see him. Um, and he was so beautiful. He was so excited for us. Um, we went and had the ultrasound and this time everything was perfect from the get go. So it was a perfect heartbeat. We could see um, a baby straight away, a little embryo there. Um, and even just like that moment of going for the six week ultrasound and everything actually being perfect. I don't know what it was, but I just had this overwhelming sensation that this is right. Like yeah. this time it's meant to be sort of thing. Um, and so it was really good. I ended up, I was very nauseous with this one and had a lot of food aversion. So when I was going through everything with the molar pregnancy, um, I was very nauseous uh, first thing in the morning and then I would sort of subside. I kind of had some food aversions where I just didn't really want to eat anything. So I was sort of just having, you know, toast and things like that, very bland food because that's what I could stomach. But this time around, I sort of had those as well. The nausea was more often, however, throughout the day. Um, luckily, I wasn't like throwing up or anything, but it was just the really bad nausea. So I just felt very sick all day, which is great. <laughs> um, I had the food aversions again, but this time smells were affecting me too. And so I remember there was one time the dishwasher had just finished its cycle and my husband opened it and it just smelled terrible I don't know what it was it just smelled dank and disgusting and wet and gross and I just said to him I was like you need to shut that door like it is not okay I'm going to throw up otherwise and he looked at me like I was crazy and I'm like no I'm not crazy like something's happening here this is not okay I had to leave the room I couldn't stand the smell of the dishwasher at all I don't know what that was um so I ended up not unpacking the dishwasher for a while there. My husband thought that was no. a very convenient excuse <laughs> to not need to. Um, but he could see as well, like, you know, my favorite foods I wasn't eating at that stage because I couldn't stomach certain things. So that was um, really funny to start experiencing those sort of things. But I, I feel like a lot of people would be like, oh, you know, this wasn't that great and rah, rah. But I was actually so happy and excited to be experiencing those yeah. things because I was like, this is normal. And this is what I should be going through. So it was a totally different mindset, I suppose, which was great. Um, and then, yeah, we sort of carried on and everything was fine. Um, we went for the 12-week ultrasound. Um, we did do the Harmony test um, just because of everything that had happened or the NIPT test. Um, I think that's what they call it now. And we did that just because of everything that had happened previously. We wanted just that bit of extra assurance that everything was okay. Um, and Indy, we decided we didn't want to know what the gender was. Uh, we wanted to have a nice surprise because we've both always sort of said, you know, there's not too many surprises in the world and all that. So we were happy with a boy or a girl. We just wanted a baby at the end of the yeah. day. And so he we'd just constantly move throughout the ultrasound. So I think it's supposed to take maybe about an hour or so while we're doing all the measurements and all that sort of stuff. 
Uh, ours went for an hour and 45 minutes mm. because he was moving that much and just not ever quite steadily and settling in the right position. Okay. So that was really funny, but everything came back from that totally fine. And I think, again, that's what gave us a nice sigh of relief that this is perfect. Everything's working out. We're going to have this baby. And we got very excited about it at that stage. Um, our family and friends were not happy that we were finding out the gender, um, but you know they sort of had to deal with that, and that was fine. And second trimester was absolutely perfect. Uh, didn't really have any issues throughout that. I probably didn't start properly showing until the 27, 28 week mark. Before that, I probably just looked a bit bloated, and that was about it. Um, and we ended up opting for shared care with our GP and the Logan. Um, they wouldn't refer us, our GP wouldn't refer us to the hospital until we'd actually done the glucose test just to make sure that everything was okay. Um, he kept saying, you know, you could still be high risk because of everything that's happened previously, even though everything that was going on from the start of this pregnancy was perfect and by the book, basically. Um, he still just was a bit reluctant. So we didn't get referred to the hospital until, yeah, the 28-week mark. Uh, once I'd had the glucose test and that came back perfect, um, so there was no issues there. And that's when we got to have our first appointments with the hospital and everything. Um, but from that, we wanted to do, obviously, the hospital classes because this is our first baby. We had no idea what we were going to be doing or anything like that, you know, we had started listening to podcasts like yours, um, doing little bits of research, but we decided we really wanted to do the hospital classes. And we were talking to the hospital about when we could book in for those. And at that stage, it was kind of around the October sort of period. So we wanted to book in for November with our baby due actually Christmas Day, which again was a bit of a miracle, like I thought, or a bit of a blessing because my husband's name's Michael and my pop's name was Michael and my pop's birthday was Christmas Day. So I just thought this is meant to be. Like yeah. everything's sort of working out, this is meant to be. Um, so, yeah, he was due then, but the hospital was completely booked out for their classes for October and November. So the first ones we could book into were December, which was weekly leading basically up to our due date. So I was like, well, that's not going to work out. What if he comes early? We're not going to be prepared. So that's where we started investigating uh, hypnobirthing and decided to go down that path. So I'd seen through your podcast and a couple of other people had referred Shari from Belly to Birth. Oh, she's and, amazing. Uh, it was so fantastic. Like she's such a beautiful person, so positive. Yeah. Um, so we ended up doing her classes uh, in the nighttime over a three, four week period. Mm -hmm. And they were honestly so incredible and so much better than the hospital classes. So we did end up getting to attend one hospital class before Indy was born. And it just, it wasn't as informative as we thought it was going to be. So in that one, they did sort of talk about pain relief methods and what sort of happens if you need to be induced, but they were actually using wrong terminology and there were certain things that they sort of said and I was like, oh, that's that's not 100% right. So I found hypnobirthing, uh, the classes for it, just to be so 
valuable. Um, I'm not really too woo-woo or anything like that. I am very logical. So the affirmation side of things, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, But the knowledge and just how empowered you get with knowledge was so valuable. Um, I really highly recommend hypnobirthing, especially with Shari, because of it. We just enjoyed the classes so much. And my husband is so supportive and wonderful. He really wanted to be equipped with the tools that he'd be able to use to help me when the time came. Uh, He didn't really want to be, you know, me going through labor and him be like, what can I do? Because he knew that would just annoy me so much, like asking those questions. Because, I mean, it's my first time too. I don't know what you can do to help. (laughs) And at that stage, I'd be in too much pain to be able to tell you properly. So he found it really beneficial um, doing those classes as well to learn the techniques of soft touch and things like that just so he could be really a part of everything and really help out when the time comes. So that was really great. And we were able to do that throughout November. So we had a lot of education and knowledge when it came to, uh, you know, actually giving birth. Um, Through the third trimester, I did have a lot of heartburn and indigestion as well, uh, to the point where I was basically having Gaviscon every single night to try to get to sleep. It was that bad. And everyone sort of said, oh, it's okay. It just means that you're going to have a really, um, you know, hairy baby. And I was like, oh, great. That's not what I want to hear, but sure. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, having Gaviscon every night sort of was helping. And I felt like I was taking it religiously, which I didn't quite want to be doing. But it was the only thing that was sort of helping with the discomfort every time that I'd lay down. Um, So we ended up having our... First midwife appointment at 28 weeks and then we did have an appointment with an OB and at that stage we were able to tell her uh, we were going to do hypnobirthing and talk to her about our birth plan of what we wanted and everything from there and we did end up having another ultrasound around the 33-34 week mark uh, just because at the start I did have a low-lying placenta so they just wanted to make sure that that had moved so I could have a like totally natural um, vaginal birth because that's sort of what I was opting for. Um, and we had that ultrasound and everything was perfect. The placenta had moved and everything was looking good to go. Um, he was head down. He was kind of already engaged, like he was in the perfect position and everything. So, yeah, um, that was all working out really well. But we ended up having a appointment with the OB again around the 36 week mark and that's where we got a bit of surprise and she was saying we're going to have a big baby and so we'd sort of heard about that with hypnobirthing they'll you know say you're going to have a big um, baby and then talk to you about induction and all that jazz so we kind of knew what to expect as soon as she said that but it did catch us by surprise because the whole pregnancy he was never measuring big or we were never told that he was measuring big. So at 36 weeks when it's, you know, we're kind of at the finish line here, we're being told we're going to have a big baby and she really wanted to talk to us about induction from 38 weeks. And so I was sort of like, no, um, I don't want to do that. I don't want to talk about induction um, before 40 weeks at least. And I was very adamant about that. And she, it was really interesting hearing her language and the way that she was sort of talking to me. So she was saying, no, your baby's in the 97th percentile. 
Um, she'd talk about shoulder dystocia and everything along those sort of lines. And mm. that's where, again, I was really thankful that we did hypnobirthing because Shari from Belly to Birth had explained to us, yes, there is the risk of that when you have a big baby, sure. But you also have the same risk when you have an induction, if not slightly higher risk because your body's trying to push your baby out um, when it might not quite be ready to do that. So it's not listening to the same cues. So I sort of not threw that back at the OAB, but kind of threw that back at her and said, isn't that the same risk? And she tried to just sort of change the subject from there. So that was really interesting, that sort of interaction. And mm. we weren't really happy about that, but it just made me feel really good that I was empowered with that knowledge. Um, so when she did sort of surprise us with this news of, you know, talk of a big baby and talk of an induction, we were sort of prepared and knew what to do. So she was still being very persistent about um, getting an induction at 38 weeks. So I kind of just leveled with her and said, well, um, my baby does move a lot throughout ultrasounds in the 33 week one, he was moving like crazy. So they just took a lot of estimated measurements um, when they did that sort of checkup. So I said, well, maybe those estimations are wrong. How about we go for another ultrasound and see what that's looking like and then we can talk from there. So I ended up getting booked in at 37 weeks and two days for an ultrasound again. Um, and the sonographer for that was amazing. Like she was such a beautiful lady. She was like, oh, so here you're here because um, you've got a big baby on your hands. And she was sort of looking at me and she was like, I do not believe that for a second. Uh, she sort of looked at my belly and looked at me and she's like, where? Where is this big baby? I was like, right? Like, come on. So uh, she did the measurements and he was a lot better behaved for that ultrasound, which was great. Uh, and then she sort of just looked at me and she's like, okay. I was like, oh no, what do you have to tell me? And she's like, I have been as conservative as possible with these measurements, but it does look like his head's measuring in the 95th percentile and his shoulders are measuring in the 97th percentile. And then she sort of moved the wand and she's like, I can see a roll on his neck. And I was like, oh, okay. So she was like, look, I don't know how this baby's inside you. This baby is inside you. Um, he's approximately weighing 3.9 kilos, but she was great. So she um, did explain, which again, we learned in hypnobirthing that those measurements still aren't 100% accurate. Um, there is a percentage up and down that you could go with those measurements. And so she was like, look, you know, don't worry. Um, you know, these are big measurements for a 37 week baby. But that being said, you know, you've got this, do what you want to do. And she was just really beautiful. So I felt a bit more empowered again because of that. But in my head, I was like, okay, maybe they're not a hundred percent making this up. And maybe I need to start thinking about my options here. And so my husband and I went away from that and I was still really adamant. I did not want to have an induction. I really wanted to try to do this naturally as possible. So we started doing all the wives' tales basically uh, from that Monday afternoon. So we went and we got spicy Indian food and I started curb gutter walking and <laughs> doing all those little things to try to bring on some spontaneous labor a bit earlier. Um, then the next day we got relentless calls from the hospital saying, you need to come in now. We need to see you now. And we need to talk about inducing you now. And so it was just very, again, you don't have a choice in this. You don't have a say in this, like, this is what we're doing. 
And I actually had a midwife appointment booked for Friday morning for that week. So I just said to them, look, a couple of days isn't going to make too much of a difference at this stage. Um, I've got the midwife appointment on Friday morning. How about we have the OB come to the appointment on Friday morning with the midwife and we can all talk as a team and figure out what my action plan is from there. Just because I wanted to buy a couple of days and I was working, I was like, no, I can't come in just because you want to induce me right now. I'm not ready for that. I don't want to talk about that. Let's just talk about this on Friday instead. And so they were really pushy and I don't know if it's also because of the time of the year and I'd hate to think exactly like I'd hate to think that's what it was but being a Christmas baby I was like maybe that has something to do with it and obviously as well at that stage because we're in the Logan you know Brisbane area um Queensland was about to open their borders so I don't know if they were thinking about that and the COVID situation as well in all that sort of playing into it but yeah, I sort of managed to um, buy some time till Friday at least and just kept doing what I could before then. So on the Thursday, nothing was still really happening and I wasn't putting too much pressure on myself, um, but I was definitely doing everything I could to try to bring on labor early. So on Thursday, I actually went out and I got some Clary Sage because obviously I've heard wonderful things about that to help bring on labor early. And I'd rub some of that on my body on a Thursday night and put some in a diffuser to just like breathe in um, while I slept for Thursday night. And then Friday came around, um, we had the midwife appointment and we sort of had a game plan. Like me and my husband sat down and we had a game plan of what we we're going to go in and say. And so we had the midwife appointment and the OB wasn't there. And it was a different midwife to our normal one, um, even though we'd only met our normal one once before that. Uh, And she was great. She was just like, oh, yeah, so, you know, it looks like you're having a big baby. Everything's measuring fine, though. Um, They've actually scheduled your next OB appointment for the 29th of December, which would have been past my 40-week due date. And she's like, that's where they've noted that they'll talk to you about an induction. Um, You're fine to do everything that you need to do until then all the best what? and we we're like oh what and it was just such a change of tune <laughs> from the conversations that I was having on the phone on yeah. Tuesday where they're like come in come in we need to talk to you to oh no don't worry about it until past the due date now oh, I was like wow so confusing okay well that's I know I was like that's the best case scenario that's fine um and we sort of just walked <laughs> out and we're like well so much for our game plan like okay this is great you're like ready for a fight (laughs) yeah I was so ready for a fight and then it just didn't happen so I was like okay well we just got worked up over nothing then that's fine um I went and we got the car seat installed that day and then we went home and we're just sort of working from home because we had the appointment that morning and then around 2 p.m that day I actually lost my mucus plug and had like the bloody show and remember that happened and I walked out and my husband was in the kitchen I was like how how detailed do you want me to go into things that are happening with my body with you and he's like he just looked at me he's like why I was like I think I just had the bloody show and I was like do you want to see because I took a photo I don't know why but in my head I was like maybe I should take a photo in case that's not it because I didn't know what it looked like and I was like at least then I can talk to you know, the um, hospital next appointment that I have about it, if nothing happens before then. 
And he's like, no, I'll take your word for it. That's great. (laughs) So that was really funny. Um, And he's like, what does this mean? And I was like, oh, look, it means that we could go into labor tonight potentially, or we could go into labor, you know, over the next couple of weeks. Like you never know sort of thing. So he was trying not to get too excited or anything like that, but at least we'd got the car seat in and we were sort of then just talking about what we needed to do that weekend in case we did have this baby early Um, because we're actually renovating our house at the moment as well in amongst all of this. So the spare room that we have is actually home to my bird. I own a blue and gold macaw, so a big parrot like you see at the zoos. And that actually needs to be the nursery. So we've been building an aviary outside for the bird and in the middle of doing all of that. So we're talking about how we might set up the rest of the house for if this baby comes early sort of thing. Um, so we had had that conversation. Then we went for a gutter walk around 5.30, but I was a bit tired and I couldn't really, we would normally go around the block, but I'd done two gutter walks on the Thursday, really trying to get this baby out. And I was just a bit exhausted from that. So I was like, look, let's just go up and down the street and then relax for the night sort of thing. So he's like, okay, that sounds like a good plan. And then around seven o'clock, I got a really bad period cramp. And I didn't really think anything of it. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I've just got a period cramp. Um, That's fine. Because the week prior, I actually had what I thought was Braxton Hicks. So I had the tighter being coming and going sensations at the top of my stomach. And so once I'd had that, I sort of knew that's what a contraction would feel like. Everyone talks about, you know, that tightening sensation of your stomach or like your uterus and everything just sort of flowing from there and so I was waiting for that sort of sensation but I got a really bad period cramp and I was like oh that's a bit strange um and then I got another one maybe 10 minutes later and it lasted for a little bit and then it sort of went away and I was like oh this is really strange and it did not even cross my mind that this could be the start of contractions at all. Like I was just like, it's just a really bad period cramps. So I said to him, I was like, oh, look, I've just got some really bad period cramps that are starting. I'm just going to have a bath so I can just relax. And he's like, okay, that sounds like a really good plan. And he was like, oh, look, I might have a bit of a nap then um, just in case things start happening tonight so he could be well rested. So I was like, yeah, okay, you do that. So he had a little bit of a nap and I was in the bath, but we have a tiny bath and I was just so uncomfortable in it. Um, I started getting more and more cramps more frequently and, um, you know, they were lasting for quite a while each time. So I got up and I jumped in the shower and that sort of woke him up. So he came out and he was like, are you okay? And I realized without even like consciously doing it, I'd started doing some hypnobirthing movements. So I was sort of leaning against the shower wall and just swaying and kind of practicing those breathing techniques and everything like that. Every time I got a period cramp, um, just so then, you know, I had some practice for when the contractions started happening, not realizing now looking back on it, those were contractions. (laughs) So my husband was like, hey, um, you know, you've probably been in the shower at that stage for about 20 minutes. He's like, you're going to run out of hot water when it comes to actually having contractions. If you stay in too much longer, maybe jump out for a little bit, jump back in the bath or, um, you know, maybe just jump in bed and try to chill for a while and just stay nice and calm and see what happens from here. But he was also like at that stage, maybe you should just start timing these to see 
what's going on and then even if it's not contractions we've got something that we can talk to the doctors about if we need to so I was like yeah okay I'll do that so I started timing them and the first one that I timed was a minute in length and they were coming every two to three minutes apart and they kept being about 50 seconds to a minute in length and so I didn't realize but obviously that's proper contractions happening at that stage and I'm very much in labor mm-hmm. uh, but again in my head oh no it's just really bad period cramps I don't know what's happening I was just so naive as to what was happening there <laughs> and so I went into the bedroom and I just felt really comfortable to sort of be sitting on the floor or kneeling on the floor and then bending over the bed so again I was practicing my um, hypnobirthing breathing techniques at that stage and timing all the contractions that were happening and um, at that stage my husband had sort of started running around the house like a crazy person cleaning up packing his hospital bag and he's like stuff's gonna happen tonight Um, I'm just gonna get the house ready so luckily we'd had the talk about how we wanted to set up the house um, if the baby came early because that's exactly what was happening and It got to maybe like 8.45ish, so it'd been like an hour, 45 minutes or so from when I had my very first period cramp. And he's like, let's just um, jump in the front room, watch a movie, we'll stay nice and calm because that's sort of what we learnt with hypnobirthing. And, And the second I sat on the couch, I had another contraction. So I got down onto the floor and luckily I did because my waters broke. And so I just looked at him and I was so shocked as to what had just happened. And so I looked at him and I was like, I think my water's just broke. I'm leaking. Like, (laughs) can you grab me a towel? And he has freaked out. He's run to the linen um, cupboard, grabbed a towel, come back next to me. And he sort of looked at me and he's like, where do you want the towel? And I just sort of screamed at him. I was like, between my legs, I'm still (laughs) leaking. Like, help me. And so that was just hilarious. And like pissing ourselves laughing sort of thing. And I was just like, well, like in my head again, I was like, okay, maybe I should be taking this more seriously. This is obviously contractions, but I just... I was so set on contractions feeling like your full stomach sort of tightening and contracting and that sort of pulsing sensation or something along those sort of lines, not period cramps because I've always had really bad period cramps with each of my periods throughout my life um, to the point where, you know, it might be a splitting pain, for instance. So I'm used for that feeling and I was like, that can't be contractions because I'm used to this normally and it really didn't feel any different. So I've got up from the floor, gone to the toilet to clean up a little bit, come back out and I've had another contraction and my waters have released again. And so I've screamed at my husband again. I was like, I'm leaking again. And he's like, he knew what to do this time. And he came running over with the towel, tucked it back down on the floor. And at that stage, he's like, I think you need to call the hospital. Um, You know, this is happening very quickly now. Like at that stage, they were... Uh, less than two minutes apart, still a minute in length. Um, he's like, you need to talk to them and I think we need to go to hospital. And so I called the hospital and I managed to get the lady that I'd spoken to earlier in the afternoon. So once my mucus plug had broken, I did call the hospital just to let them know. And I got onto the same lady and she's like, oh, I didn't expect to hear from you again. I was like, yep, no, I didn't expect to be calling you, but my water was just broken and I'm having these really bad period-like cramps, but I've started timing them, you know, they're one to two minutes apart, going for a minute in length. And she was like, oh, okay, 
and I'm still talking normally like this. So again, in my head, I'm like, I shouldn't be able to talk like this. I shouldn't be able to talk through the contractions, but I still was. And so she heard me have one and I was sort of still trying to talk to her through it. And her voice just changed. And she's like, you need to come in now. And luckily, we're only a 10-minute drive from the hospital because um, she was sort of like, oh, sounding a bit hesitant. And she's like, how far away are you guys? And so we said 10 minutes. And she's like, okay, get in the car and get here now. So I was like, okay, great. So we jumped in the car. Um, my husband had packed his hospital bag at that stage, grabbed one that I'd already packed for me and the baby earlier that week. Um, and we sort of rushed down to the hospital and, and in the car, in that 10-minute time frame, I think I had uh, five or six contractions or a minute or so in length. Like, they were coming hot and heavy at that stage. And my body definitely felt at that stage more like I was properly contracting. Like, I felt that uh, kind of pushing down sensation. It wasn't bearing down at that stage, but I could feel my body sort of pushing down and starting to open and everything. So... I was trying not to freak him out in the car, but I was like, how far away are we? Like, I think I'm going to have this baby roadside. Um, so we managed to get to the front of the hospital. And I said to him, I was like, drop me off at the front. There's no way I can walk from the car park up at this stage. And out the front of the hospital, there was this beautiful grandma, um, mom, and, and like maybe a five-year-old little girl at the front. And I'm really breathing heavily at this stage, like trying not to make too loud of noises. And so I've just sat myself on a chair out the, out the front of the um, hospital entrance and just trying not to make too much noise because I didn't want to scare this little girl. But I obviously look so uncomfortable. I've kept my eyes shut the entire time as well because everyone does say normally on that car ride to the hospital, things can slow down because you're not in your comfortable environment anymore or anything like that. And so I was just sitting there with my eyes shut, trying to stay in the zone, trying not to make too much noise so I don't scare this poor little girl that's <laughs> waiting at the front with her family. The mum and grandma were sort of looking at me, but I sort of could see what was happening, so they left me be. Um, but they went too far away in case I needed them. And I see my husband coming running up the ramp at the front of the Logan with the suitcases in hand. Um, we've gone to go inside and we've been greeted by like the COVID check-in people. And they sort of looked at me, looked at him and I'm like, my name is Cass. I'm here to have a baby. And I feel like I'm pushing because I really felt like I was pushing at that mm. stage. And they sort of looked at me and they're like, oh, okay. And so they're kind of like still trying to do their job and ask him the COVID check-in questions, but also looking at me and understanding maybe it's not an appropriate time to do this. Mm. And so they've called someone um, to grab a wheelchair and they've got the wheelchair. They've come over to me uh, and they've sort of told me, sit down and we're going to take you straight to one of the rooms. But I couldn't sit down. Like I really felt like I was properly pushing through this contraction. So I was like, if I sit I don't know why, but I had in my head, I'm going to sit on my baby's head. I was like, I can't sit down just yet. So we had to wait for that contraction to stop. And then they sort of rushed me through the hospital. I've got my eyes shut the whole time. So I'm not seeing any of this happening. I'm still trying to just stay in the zone and keep this happening. Uh, we've got to one of the rooms and I hear the midwives up, um, my husband, you know, who's your midwife um, and all those sort of questions. But we'd only met our proper midwife once. I couldn't tell you what her name was or anything like that because we'd been admitted to the hospital so late. And so we just sort of said, tag, you're it. You're our midwives. And like, 
okay, this is happening. And luckily one of them was the lady that I'd been speaking to on the phone um, throughout the afternoon. So that was really good. And she was like, I was definitely not expecting to see you right now. And I was like, I was not expecting to see you either. Um, And so I sort of, I really had this urge to be on the floor for whatever reason. And so I said to them, I was like, can you get something for my knees? I really just want to be on my hands and knees on the floor. Like that was what was most comfortable for me. And they were like, oh, look, how about you jump up on the bed instead? You can still be on your hands and knees and just put your hands over the end of the bed instead and we'll get that all set up nice for you so i did that but they also were saying oh we just want to check you to see how far along you are and as part of my birth plan i didn't really want to be checked um i wanted to just do everything supernaturally and i just didn't want the vaginal examination at all um especially for the reasoning of if i wasn't as dilated as i thought i would i know that i would just focus on that too much and distract me from what was going on um and they were really adamant and persistent about doing that check and I was too uncomfortable to get down into the right positioning for them to be able to do a check in the first place so I remember just being on my knees hands over the end of the bed and I was like can you just check me from behind then because I'm not getting down in that position if you're really insisting on doing this and they're like no we can't check you from behind and you know we really like we do want to check you um and at that stage my husband sort of gave me a little bit of a nudge and the reasoning why they did want to check was because they kept trying to feel for um the baby's heartbeat but they were having issues getting his heartbeat. And I'd actually had another like water release and there was quite a bit of blood that had come out with that. So he sort of looked at me and he's like, I know our preferences, but is there an option that you can turn around and get this check? And so him sort of looking at me and saying that, I was like, okay, I need to do this. So I managed to flip myself around on the bed and they did a check. Um, Everything looked perfect. I was 10 centimeters and they're like, oh yeah, you are pushing. Because the whole time I said to them, like, I'm pushing, like, this is happening. Um, And they're like, oh yeah, you are pushing. I was like, right, like, why don't you just (laughs) listen to me? Like, I know I haven't done this before, but I feel like I know what this sensation is. So I got back up and flipped around and um, sure enough, I was really pushing at that stage and he sort of came part way down and then um, came back up. And because of that, when he came out, he did have a little bit of a bruise over his nose because he'd come that hard and fast, basically. Um, But yeah, it was only a couple of pushes from when I really had that overwhelming bear down sensation and his head was out. And then in the next one, the rest of him came out as well. And it was just so magical, but also... I had no idea what to do. So I'm on my knees on this bed. He's sort of come out and they're trying to pass him up to me like a little football from underneath. And I'm trying to hold on to him as they're sort of patting him down and then trying to flip around so I can sit on my bum on the bed. And it was all just like happening. And I was like, oh my God, like I've done this. And the whole time, like I didn't get any of the pain relief. I hadn't even had time to think about it. It all just happened so quickly and I remember sitting there with him on my chest um so we did skin to skin straight away and I was just like oh my god like what just happened because I was in disbelief for so long that I was in labor and the next minute I'm sort of having him Mm. so it was so just surreal and such a beautiful moment um 
Yeah, so they were concerned um, because of how quickly everything was happening about tearing. So they did do just a hot compress for me. Um, but I ended up, I felt a real stinging sensation along the front instead. And so I did have second degree tearing, but it was basically right up my right labia instead of tearing down. So she said it was a pretty bad tear, but that if you tear upwards instead of downwards, um, it's a little bit of a quicker healing time. So I was kind of thankful for that, but also that really hurt <laughs> and that yeah. was stinging quite a bit. So I remember we were sort of having that, um, like that first sort of golden hour of just skin to skin and everything. But half the time I was sort of just thinking, okay, I'm really stinging. And I was like, when is this, like, when can I get stitched up sort of thing? Like that was sort of consuming my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like we had the beautiful, he did do the breast crawl all by himself and had a perfect latch straight away. Um, I remember as well, cause again, we didn't know that it was a boy that we were having or anything like that. So that moment of me flipping around and getting him onto my chest and sort of sitting there in shock, um, at that stage, the midwives were like, Oh, do you want to know what it is? And so my husband sort of came around and he had a look that at the same stage, I'd sort of changed my hand positioning to get a better hold on him. And I sort of felt what was going on down there. As my husband has said, it's a boy. And so we just had that like elated, oh my God, we've had a boy. Like, this is so beautiful. Um, So yeah, that was just, it was so lovely. And we were doing all that. He did the boob crawl all by himself, um, latched on so perfectly. Uh, But then I just sort of had that pain in mind of what was happening down there and everything. So I did want to birth my placenta naturally and I did want to do the delayed cord clamping um but when everything was sort of happening we weren't able to do the delayed cord clamping because he didn't cry straight away when he came out so he had made a little murmur and I thought that was okay but they're like no we need like a big cry and they were really trying to get him to cry before anything happened and so it wasn't happening. So they uh, did clamp the cord. And just as my husband was, um, like, he made a slight cut um, to quickly, like, be able to take him over to the respiratory table, he then started crying. So we're like, oh, damn it. Like, mm. we just needed to wait a little bit longer. But yeah. that was fine. I was like, he's happy. He's healthy. He's out. It's all good. Um So we didn't get to do that um, and I did want to try to birth my placenta naturally but while he was doing the boob crawl and feeding and all that sort of stuff because I was just kind of so focused on that pain as well I just said to the midwife so I was like okay I just want to get the placenta out so we can sort of speed this next little bit along and so I can get comfortable Um, because I was like I don't want that consuming my thoughts I've just had this baby I want to be focusing on him and I was but I still just I was so uncomfortable at that stage as well um so they did give me the injection and the placenta came out within the next like five minutes um which was great and that was super healthy and everything which was great to see um because they were a little bit concerned and they were saying that they might actually take my placenta away to examine it just because of everything that happened with my prior miscarriage um which i thought was a little bit strange but i was like okay that's fine if that's what you need to do um but the way that it came out was super healthy looking and everything was intact so they were like oh 
we won't need to do any testing on this now. Like everything's okay. So I was like, okay, great. Um, the other strange thing as well was when he came out, he wasn't actually covered in any of um, the vernix, I think he called that white goo. Yeah. So he had none of that on him at all. Like he was just covered in obviously a little bit of blood, but that was it. So that was really strange. And they were mm. like, oh, you know, you're having a big baby. You definitely didn't have gestational diabetes. And I was like, no, like, you know, my glucose test was all fine. And they're like, we think he was actually 40 weeks and full term and just ready to come on his own. Yeah. Um, and we did actually have to stay. So he was born 3.7 kilos. Uh, so they were pretty right with him being a big baby in a sense, like he's not a huge baby, but he was 37 weeks and five days and 3.7 kilos. Right. So they've got your dates wrong then. That's it. They reckon they must've got it wrong because of all of that. Um, which is like a little bit annoying as well, because then with his dates and his weight, we actually had to stay in hospital for another 24 hour period. So they could test his blood sugar levels and make sure everything was okay. So that meant I had to be feeding him every three hours on the dot and um, he would get a blood test every six hours sort of thing. So Mm. the support from the midwives was absolutely fantastic. Like they were so lovely, but it was just a little bit annoying having, having to stay in hospital for that long, having him get those blood tests and everything when every single one was absolutely perfect Mm. so all signs sort of point to the fact that the dates were probably wrong so yeah we were just we were so elated and I remember just sitting there with him and I was looking at my husband and we had a couple of names in mind um, for a boy or a girl we really only had two names for a girl and um, a couple of names for a boy but we'd always liked the name Indiana because we liked Indy for short um, we loved Indiana Jones growing up together sort of thing. Um, but we also loved Indiana for a girl as well. So we always said, boy or a girl, no matter what, we love the name Indiana. Mm-hmm. So we sort of looked at each other. And even though we had other name options, we're like, no, this is Indy. Like, this is it sort of thing. So, yeah, that was really beautiful. Like, it was just, it just came so quickly and happened yeah. so fast. And it was such a whirlwind. But it was just so perfect. Yeah, so beautiful. Is there anything you would do differently second time around, especially taking into consideration how fast it was? I have thought about home births, but I think my husband would freak out too much. (laughs) So it definitely be something we talk about. Like we 100% want more kids. Um, So when it comes to having the next one, we'll definitely have the discussion and see. Uh, But I would definitely do hypnobirthing again and probably get a bit of a refresher because those breathing techniques, even though I was practicing them, um, definitely (laughs) helped me all through it. And I think that was what kept me so calm and helped everything progress so quickly. So I would definitely do a refresher in that again, 100%. Um, And I feel like if we did go back through the hospital again, I at least sort of know what language they'll use with me and everything like that so I can still be really strong and stick with my preferences and what I want to do obviously within reason um but I'll also probably listen to my body a little bit more and understand that if period cramps are coming that quickly and that you know fast and for that long you're probably in labor (laughs) (laughs) 
I feel like there's a common theme with first-time mums especially where they sort of go into denial mode once labour starts. Yeah, <laughs> like you feel like you'll just have this moment and you know it yeah. and I didn't really have that moment until my waters broke and then I was like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe that is what's happening. But just because I'd had period cramps through my normal periods and it felt exactly the same, I was like, this can't be it. Like everyone talks about, you know, just how different contractions are and all that sort of stuff. So I feel like I won't have that ignorance this time coming into a next pregnancy um, of what something should feel like. And instead I might just like stop and think what is actually happening? What's the logical answer to that instead? Yeah, I love that. So what would be your key piece of advice for any expectant mothers out there? I would definitely invest in doing a hypnobirthing course 100%, um, especially because, you know, the affirmations and everything aside, I wasn't a woo-woo person or anything like that. So that side of things, I was sort of like, oh, why do people not do hypnobirthing? Like that just seems so strange. But going through the course and then going through the labor that I did, I 100% credit being able to have like my natural delivery and everything because of those techniques and the education that I had from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only other thing I would say is just making sure that you are educated. So when a hospital's really being persistent saying you need to be induced, you need to be induced, you do know your rights and whether it is something that, you know, for a medical reason does need to occur, which we were completely open to. But just hearing that we were having a big baby um, wasn't enough of a reason for us. Yeah. So I, I just recommend being as educated as possible going into the birth as to what your rights are, what different processes mean, what those flow-on effects are as well, um, and just having that education behind you because having that knowledge, mm. I feel like, led us to have such a beautiful quick easy birth in a sense yeah absolutely well thank you so much Cass for coming on today and sharing your beautiful journey with us that's okay thank you so much for having me I really hope it helps other people and especially with um the first part as well just knowing there are some crazy things that can happen but sometimes everything does happen for a reason and you know we're very thankful now to have a very beautiful healthy happy little boy That brings us to the end of today's show. I love this episode because, again, it drives home the importance of educating yourself and using the right resources to do so. There are some incredible resources out there for you to choose from, but a hypnobirthing or any type of holistic birth course is a great place to start if you have no idea about birth. I think throughout the seasons of PBA, it's really obvious the value birth education holds and the impact it can have on your birth outcome, especially if you're going to be in a setting where you may have to advocate for yourself. You can check out the show notes for all the details on today's episode. Let me know what you think over on the PBA Instagram, and I'll see you all next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia.